Hello, and welcome to The Therapist Mindset. I'm your host, Jamie Boniudo, licensed professional counselor, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, registered yoga instructor, and Reiki master. The Therapist Mindset brings you evidence-based therapies with a spiritual backbone. Through mindfulness, we grow and change. I'm so glad to have you here today. My heart is full. I'm so grateful for all the support. And if you want to continue to support the therapist mindset, please give me a five-star review, a follow, and a share. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get started. Welcome back to the therapist mindset. In today's episode, we are talking about one of my favorite books. It's on one of my top 10 recommended books, and it is a bestseller. The book I am talking about is The 5am Club by Robin Sharma. And you've probably, if you're a fan of this podcast, have heard me talk about The 5am Club before. When I originally picked up this book, I had heard it a I had heard about it on another podcast, and I didn't know much about it, but the title, The 5 a.m. Club, really intrigued me, and that is because I wake up at 4.45 a.m. every day, every day during the week, that is, and I enjoy the beauty of the morning, and I have conversations with my sister, Marie Boyd, who I have had as a guest on this podcast. She is a personal trainer and a precision nutrition coach, but I've had her on my podcast talking about nutrition and eating well while on vacation, and we joke amongst ourselves about vacation lifestyle. So when we vacation together, she is still up at 5 a.m. while I'm sleeping in. My mind just turns off and says something like, you're in vacation mode, Jamie, You do not do any self-care while on vacation. However, during the week when I'm back to the hustle and the grind, I'm up at 4.45 a.m. and I'm not thinking anything about it. I enjoy the early morning. I accidentally fell in love with 5 a.m. waking up before dawn after I became a mom. I was blessed enough to spend six months on maternity leave But when I went back to work, I realized that I really don't have any time other than when the baby was sleeping. So I would get up early in the morning and do meditation or work out. And as my daughter got older, that remains the same. You know, she's 12 now and I could exercise in the evening. I could do my meditation and my whole morning routine in the evening, but that takes away from quality time with family. So I've continued for over a decade now to choose to wake up early in the morning and exercise and meditate during the wee hours of the dawn before anyone else gets up so that I have that time just for me and I don't have the mom guilt that comes along with taking time out for yourself when your family is awake and you could be spending time with them. So when I originally came across this book, heard about the 5am club by Robin Sharma, 
I thought it was a book about getting up early, um, which it is, but I didn't expect to fall in love with the story. So he tells a beautiful tale about three random people from very different backgrounds and how they come together and become part of this 5 a.m. 5 a.m. club. And so this book is personal development and self-help and a lot of what we teach our therapy clients with cognitive behavioral therapy approaches and strategies, but it's interwoven into this beautiful tale about these three characters that you really get to love and get to feel like you know them and adore them. And I identify with each one of the characters, which is another really beautiful and interesting thing that I didn't expect. So I don't want to spoil the book. Go out and buy it. Robin Sharma, The 5am Club. And I'm not getting paid to endorse this book, but I really fell in love and resonated with each of the characters during different times of my life. So even though I read the book in my, you know, 40s, I resonated as being the billionaire character today and the artist when I was an adolescent and the entrepreneur when I was in my masculine energy and just hustle mode and get things done. So during different times in my life, I saw myself identifying as these different characters in the book. So it's beautiful. I love it. And that's what I want to talk about today. And there's so much I could talk about with this book, but I want to focus on the later chapter of the book. The I, It might be the last chapter. Let me just check. I have it in front of me. Um, if not, it's close to the end of the book and it is chapter 16. So it is close to the end of the book, chapter 16. And chapter 16 is entitled, I lost my page. Okay. The 5 a.m. Club embraces the twin cycles of elite performance. And there is a quote on the, at the beginning of chapter 16 by Oscar Wilde. And it says, with freedom, books, flowers, and the moon, who could not be happy? And I just love that quote so much because we have so much abundance around us. If we just stop to smell the flowers or read a book instead of scrolling on social media, wouldn't we be happier? I know I am. So let's get into chapter 16. One of the most moving parts of chapter 16 is what Robin Sharma calls the joy as a GPS module. So joy as a GPS really resonated with me as a mental health clinician and licensed alcohol and drug counselor because we talk all the time about our people, places, and things. And I say all the time, probably on a weekly basis, check in with your body. If you're doing something that is making you feel good, you're laughing, you're smiling, you feel energetic, you feel light, you feel free. That's your body's way of telling you 
Do more of that. I like that. That is good for me. If you're doing something or hanging out with people or participating in places and things that is causing you or contributing to you feeling bad, like you feel negative, you're depleted of your energy, you feel depressed or anxious, that is your body cluing you in and screaming to you, stop doing this. This is not for us. So Robin Sharma calls this the joy, joy as a GPS module. And for the longest time in the recovery community, we have talked about if we want to sustain recovery, we need to change our people, places, and things. So that's not just for addiction, that is for life. And this book really highlights that without speaking a word about mental health, mental illness, or addiction. So I love that. It's bringing what we've talked about in mental health and recovery into the mainstream so that everyone can share and have the knowledge of how our people, places, and things really impacts our emotional, physical, spiritual wellness. So the first part of the Joy's GPS module is to create magic in the world. Own the magic within yourself. That's a quote. Create magic in the world and own the magic within yourself. So This is when we encourage people and ourselves to look in the mirror. What we reflect on the outside is really what we have on the inside. So the relationship with ourselves projects or is reflected rather to the outside world. So if we're unhappy with ourselves, we're going to feel unhappy with others. That's where the saying hurt people hurt people comes from. That is what projection is all about. Hurt people hurt people. They're projecting their dislike for themselves onto you. They're projecting their shame, their anger onto you. And I also want to mention, which I say a lot again, is that yes, hurt people hurt people, but that's not an excuse for them to hurt you. It is important that we have compassion or understanding for someone suffering, knowing that I'm not going to take it personally. They're hurting and they're taking it out on me. However, set a boundary. That's not, it's not appropriate. It's not an excuse for them to continue to hurt us or for us to put up with that behavior. So the creating the magic in the world and owning the magic within ourselves is really about Tapping into that relationship with yourself, cultivating that relationship with yourself. Some may call it self-love. I call it self-acceptance. And once we are acceptant, unconditionally acceptant of ourselves, then the self-love will follow. So creating a peace within yourself, being authentic to who you are, and really getting to love and accept yourself. The second part of this module is collect miraculous experiences over material things. And I'm like, yes, although I have lots of material things, I don't have 
a ton of toys. I do have more than I need. I'm very blessed and fortunate. But I collect experiences. I want to make memories instead of collect things that are going to collect dust. So do I have a car? Yes. Do I have some fun things and a lot of shoes in my closet? Yes, absolutely. I own it. I do. But when I have to make choices about what I'm spending my money on, unless it's something like a home repair or a necessity, I am eight times out of 10 going to buy a travel experience, going to buy a memory that I can share with my daughter, or even with myself. Like when I went to Sedona this year by myself on my hiking excursion, I could have remodeled my bathroom with that money, but I chose to create memories instead of material items. Not that remodeling a bathroom is a material item, but I, I nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, over 80% of the time, I'm waffling along here, but I would choose, I choose experiences, creating memories, making memories over material items. So Robin Sharma speaks about collect miraculous experiences over material things because experiences help us to tap in to our inner child. And there is no better way to raise our vibration and to get a dopamine and serotonin boost than to tap in to our childlike behavior and play. So this chapter, he gives the example of finding awe in things like a snowflake or a spider web or the autumn leaves, the color of the leaves and the leaves falling. Those are things that children point at. They jump up and down. They get so excited. We stick our tongue out and try to catch a snowflake and we lose that childlike play, that quality, that's that joy as we age, as we're adults. So bringing more play into our life is one of the best ways to create joy and raise our vibration. And one of the best ways to do that is through experiences and remembering what abundant and what miracles there are in the day-to-day, even on a nature walk or watching the snowflakes. I actually posted a TikTok today without even thinking about what I was going to say for this podcast episode, but I posted a TikTok of my daughter. The TikTok is um, The Therapist Mindset on TikTok, and it is my daughter walking one of our kittens, Romeo, in a backpack that is made and ventilated for cats. And I said, what better way to tap into childlike behavior and play than to have kittens than to watch kittens play. Baby animals of all sorts just bring us so much joy and that is because they tap in to that childlike behavior. They tap into that joy of play because all they want to do is eat and sleep and play and it's just so much fun and I'm just so excited talking about it. So the number two important my uh, aspect on the module is collect experiences over material things. I underlined this this line in this chapter and it says it's impossible to enter the magic that each fresh morning brings if parts of you are holding on to old disappointments, resentments, and hurt. 
And when we play, when we laugh, when I'm playing with the kittens that we have, we have two kittens, Violet and Romeo, or Romeo and Violet. When we play with them, I'm not thinking about what I'm angry at or if I'm holding a grudge or if I'm resentful or if my feelings were hurt at work today. I'm just laughing in the moment, enjoying the miracle that are these kittens. So choose play, tap into your inner child and make experiences that create the joy that you may have had as a child when you were playing with rocks or jumping rope or catching snowflakes with your tongue. The third thing that Robin Sharma talks about in this chapter is failure inflates fearlessness. Quote, it is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which, you, in which case you fail by default, end quote. And that was a quote by J.K. Rowling, that's the author of Harry Potter, if you don't know, the Harry Potter series. So this quote really resonates. It's so true. Uh, You can't live life without failing. So if you have never failed at anything, then you are not living. You are not living your life. Because whenever we take a risk, whenever we take that leap of faith, whenever we try something new, we fail. And there's a risk of failing. And most of us fail before we succeed. And we never know how successful we are going to be if we give up when we fail. We would never know if Jim Carrey, if he gave up when he was turned down the first time or the second time or the hundredth time. We would never know how to walk when we were babies if we fell that first time and said, forget this, I'm not doing this anymore. But again, tapping into that inner child, kids don't think about that. They fall, they giggle, they get up, they try again, and then they master the walking, they master the movement. So we would never succeed at anything in life if we gave up the first time we failed or the fifth time we failed or the 500th time that we failed. When we label something that didn't turn out the way we wanted to as a failure, that brings lack mentality. Instead, even though it's painful, even though there's a lot of grief associated with things that we wanted or thought we wanted, being a failure, I encourage you to reframe that, that there is no failure. What you view as a failure is really realignment. That's really God, the universe, realigning you with your higher purpose. And I know it's difficult to have that mindset in the moment. I know when I was having infertility issues and I had seven miscarriages, I Uh, There was no way I could see that as not a failure, as I could see that for my greatest good. And I remember a psychiatrist that I worked with that I just love and hold dear to my heart, you know, reminding me of this hospital we worked at years prior together and how this is a blessing in disguise because those uh, fetuses weren't healthy. And it's just so hard to have that mindset in in real time at the moment. But years later, I looked back at that and was like, thank God. Thank God I didn't have, you know, another child because the 
things that happen subsequent to infertility, I could have never predicted. And if I had two children right now, I, I don't know, you know, it was hard. I, there were days I didn't know how I was going to get up and live. I was so depressed as it was, you know, from my divorce that if I had two children, I, I don't know how I could have coped with that. So we need to, as much as possible, try to encourage ourselves to view failure, not as failure, but as realignment, realigning us with our higher purpose. And Robin Sharma writes it a little differently than I just explained it, but he he writes, labeling something that didn't turn out as you wanted as a failure, we all know that within every seeming setback lies a distinguished opportunity for even greater success. So essentially, it's the same thing as I tell people. It's realignment. It's pivoting you. It's the, the God, the universe redirecting you showing you a different direction that maybe would have greater opportunities than you ever imagined. Number four is proper use of primal power creates your personal utopia. What does that mean? He talks about many people spending the morning or many hours of their day scrolling social media, saying they're happy, but not really happy, putting up that social media post that creates the facade of happiness, but really they're miserable. So this this talks about being genuine, being authentic to your to who you are and how you feel, honoring those feelings, honoring, you know, I'm not okay today and it's okay to not be okay. Instead of telling yourself that you should be satisfied with what you have, yes, be grateful, acknowledge that you're blessed and it's still okay that you're not okay. So although you're grateful for what you have, it's still okay to want more, to want to take a risk, to try something different. And becoming aware of your desires so you can manifest them. And putting those thoughts and feelings into words. So we all know through cognitive behavioral therapy that our thoughts dictate our mindset. And our thoughts are the greatest predictor as to if we feel well or unwell. So whatever you say to yourself, whether it's positive or negative, you're going to believe it to be true. So be very cautious about what you speak to yourself and who you allow to take up rent, precious real estate in your head. Would you speak to your best friend or your child or your partner or your family member like you speak to yourself? If not, Why are you continuing to speak to yourself so negatively? So he writes, speak only the words of upliftment, abundance, and encouragement. So although we, I want people to honor their grief, to acknowledge that it's okay to not be okay, you want to shy away or refrain from speaking to yourself in a way that's abusive, self-abuse. Like, you're so stupid. How do you do this? You're not worth anything. Instead, speak to yourself kindly and with compassion. For example, I feel really depressed today. It's really hard for me to get out of bed today. Let me give myself a heart hug and breathe and maybe just taking a shower is 
good enough right now and I'm proud of myself for getting up and getting in the shower even when I'm depressed. So speak to yourself with compassion and love even when you feel like you're not okay and acknowledge that we're not going to be okay every day and that's okay. Now, this is my favorite one. Now, Robin Sharma entitles this one, Avoid Bad People. So although having compassion and love for all people, we know that people aren't necessarily bad. However, some of their behavior is bad. But nonetheless, this is entitled number five, Avoid Bad People. Never underestimate the power of your association. So that's where that saying, birds of a feather flock together, comes from. Even if we had different values than our people we associate with, by association, if we spend enough time with people, we will adapt the values, the behaviors, the mannerisms, the mindset that they have. So this also is proven through neuroscience with mirror neurons in our brains. We model the behavior of the people we spend the most time with. There's a saying that says we are made up of the top three people that we spend the most time with. So look at the three people you spend the most time with. That is, those are the people you are most alike in mindset and values in in mannerisms. And I'm not a neuroscientist or a neuropsychologist. So explaining mirror neurons, I won't even try. But this is proven neuroscience. So Stay away from bad people. He calls it emotional contagion. And that is the, you know, mindset is contagious. Vibration is contagious. If you're in a bad mood and your partner is in a good mood, one of you is going to adopt the other person's mood. So hopefully you're in a healthy relationship where you end up improving your mood because your partner's in a great mood. But sometimes you could taint your partner's good mood and they can become, you know, in a bad mood or irritable or, or down and out. So our emotions, our mindsets are contagious. People who grow up in a environment that is riddled with drama, that is chaotic, that is unpredictable, that has nonstop problems, these people as adults subconsciously often, so they're not aware of it, but subconsciously, even if they're good people, even if they're attractive people, even if we like them a lot, these dramatic, chaotic, roller coaster of emotions, problematic people, their environment that they grew up in is the environment that feels safe and familiar for them. So even though they say, why does my life have so many problems? Why does why do things always happen to me? Why is there always drama? They subconsciously recreate or cause, contribute to all the drama coming around. So I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I know I have. 
And, you know, being someone who was stable, had my shit together, pretty drama-free life over here. When I did come across problems, barriers, life stressors, I know how to cope and, you know, handle them the best I can, problem solve or radically accept what's going on if I can't solve it. But when you're involved with a partner or a friend or a family member who's drama-ridden, who creates chaos, they don't know how to problem-solve. And you, I know I, ended up really codependent, stepping in to fix things all the time. So, you know, avoid drama. Avoid people in your life who create drama, who maybe not purposely create drama, but drama and problems, chaos seems to come to them. Avoid them. You can't help them. You can't save them. They have to be willing and open to help themselves, save themselves, look inward and develop the insight and awareness and ask themselves, why do all these problems always happen to me? What am I doing that contributes to this and how can I change? But sadly, until they're ready to take responsibility and create that change, you're just going to be infected by their drama and their problems. So that's my favorite one. I can take a whole podcast episode and just focus it on avoiding bad people. But I won't today. Let's move on to number six. Money is the fruit of generosity, not scarcity. So many people are raised with a lack or scarcity mindset around money. Money is energy. Money comes to me easily and effortlessly from expected and unexpected sources. I love saying that. (laughs) I say it to myself all day and it's true. So if you were raised though in a family system or with parents who said money doesn't grow on trees or we don't have enough money or we can't afford that, then guess what? You might have had good parents, they're not bad people, but you were raised with a scarcity mindset, with a lack mindset. And if your parents grew up as children of people who were who had gone through the Great Depression, like my parents, so that means my grandparents lived through the Great Depression, I believe in the 20s, but don't quote me on that, I could be wrong. So coming to this country as immigrants, living through the Great Depression, raising their children, they had a scarcity mindset. This is generational trauma. And in order for us to break that, we have to change our mindset about money. We have to realize that money is energy like anything else. No, money doesn't grow on trees. And no, I'm not suggesting that you go out and just spend money like like you have it in the bank when you don't. But we don't have to walk around saying, I can't afford that, or I don't have enough money for this, or money doesn't grow on trees, or it's not fair that I don't make enough money. That is lack and scarcity mindset. We want to recognize what we do have. We do have food on the table. I do have enough money to pay for my daughter's tennis lessons and swim practice and feed four cats. I can't believe I feed four cats. Well, I don't. My mom feeds one, but I have stray cat 
that lives on my porch. I have two kittens. I have a dog. I have plenty of money. So just saying it in that kind of mindset, talking about money in that mindset creates more abundance and guess what? More money. So Robin Sharma talks about uh, uh, abundance mindset when it comes to money. Um, And he talks about the lack mindset, parents telling children money doesn't grow on trees, or this one that I always forget about, be happy with what you have, or rich people are dishonest. I've never actually heard that growing up, but this isn't the first time I've read it in a book, so parents must be saying that somewhere. And he actually provides practices that help with financial gain. And those practices are positive expectancy, meaning you're expecting money to come in for you. Like I'm expecting to get money in my bank account. I know money comes to me from expected sources like my work, but also unexpected sources. Have faith that your income is ever increasing. He also talks about Um, buying tools that you need, not things that you want. So don't just throw away your money, but really ask yourself, like, is this money contributing to my abundant life? Is this money adding growth to my life? And bless your money. So he talks about blessing the cashier at the grocery store, the farmer's market, like being grateful, saying thank you for this money. Thank you for what I'm getting with this money. Like, Thank you for your farm. Thank you for this fruit that you harvested. Thank you for these crops. Thank you for this car that's getting me to work into the mountain so I can hike. So developing an abundance mindset around money is really, really important. Next, number seven is optimal health maximizes your power to produce magic. So exercising first thing in the morning, so part of the 5 a.m. club is sweating at 5 a.m. Exercising the first thing in the morning gives us that energy, that dopamine and serotonin boost and creates and sets up a wonderful day. I love exercising in the morning. On the days that I don't exercise in the morning, which is usually one day a week, a rest day, I don't feel as energized when I get to work as the days that I wake up at 4.45 a.m. and get to the gym at 5. So in order to maximize our optimal health, he advocates for exercising early in the morning. Number eight, continue raising your life standards towards an absolute world class. And, you know, I did a TikTok on this also raise the bar higher. If you are setting your standards so low, then you are going to attract people, places, and things that are at that low vibration. When we raise the bar, when we set our standards high, that eliminates us accepting low vibe things and opening up the opportunity and space for people, places, and things that meet our high standards of expectation. So set the bar higher, especially when it comes to dating. People are always saying, why do I always attract these losers? Why can't I find a good guy? Because you're accepting the ones that come to you. Set the bar higher. If we accept 
the people that come to us because we set the bar so low, then it's your fault. You're getting what you take. You're taking what they give and you're saying it's okay. I know you are only giving me low vibe romance. I know that you are only capable of giving me the bare minimum and you're accepting that. So set the bar higher. When we set the bar higher, we will get people who could give us more, people who are capable of meeting that high expectation and standard. Number nine, deep love yields unconquerable joy. I can have a hard time getting that word out. But any chance you get, show love. Choose love. When we respond to people, and I know I've fallen victim to this. um, I'm not happy to admit it. It's shameful. But responding out of fear is that reactive response, that yelling, that insulting, that uh, screaming at someone, calling them names. I've done it. Not proud of it, but we've all done it. Own it. You have responded out of fear. I responded out of fear. I was hurt. I was afraid of being abandoned. And my response was that low vibe response. When we respond out of love and compassion, then we gain a lot more. So any chance you get, show people love. Kindness goes a long way. This isn't just about intimate partners. This is about the waitress or waiter. This is about the dry cleaner or the clerk at the grocery store, the pharmacy. So show people love. Tell people how proud you are of them and how much you love them. There was a study, well, there was numerous studies, but we... Studies show that we discipline our children or tell them what they're doing wrong like over a hundred times more than we praise our children. That's a lot. So I tell my daughter pretty much every day, I'm so proud of you. And she turns around and asks why. And I said, because you got up when your alarm went off this morning and got ready for school because you made it to the bus stop. I'm so proud of you for just being the kind and wonderful kid that you are. So Make a habit out of meeting people with joy and compassion. Number 10, heaven on earth is a state, not a place. Again, this is about mindset. If you want to live in joy and abundance, live in joy and abundance. You could choose to be happy. I could choose to take a walk today and say, oh, it's only 60 degrees. Oh, it's cloudy. Oh, there's the smoke from Canada with the pollution, which is unfortunate environmentally. Or I can choose to say, oh, it's raining. It's foggy and smoggy. But listen to those birds. Or, oh, I saw a robin. Oh, I saw a blue jay. What a miracle. These miracles happen every day. And number 11, which I think is the last one. Yeah. Number 11, tomorrow is a bonus, not a right. We are not guaranteed to wake up. I used to work with this nurse in the prison system. She's retired now, but Anna, I loved her. And every day I would say, good morning, how are you? And she would say, I woke up today. I'm so blessed. She was right. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. There is no guarantee that we will wake up tomorrow. It is not a right. We are not entitled to it. So don't delay doing what you want to do today. If you're not happy with your life, you are not a tree. Get up and move. Do something different. Don't delay your happiness. 
if you are not living in joy and peace, do something different so that you can. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Again, thank you for all your support. Please continue to support The Therapist Mindset by giving me a five-star review, a follow, and a share. I am so, so grateful. And I would love to hear from you. Please give me feedback on this podcast episode or please let me know what episode topics you would like to see on The Therapist Mindset. The email is thetherapistmindset at gmail.com. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Be well. Namaste.